How we doing folks? This is Wrestling for MMA, hosted by Ed Gallo for the Fight Site. Before I begin today, I would just like to remind you that the entirety of the Fight Site's existence is supported through Patreon. So if you go to Patreon, look up the Fight Site, or click the link through our Twitter account, it's the pinned tweet, you can see uh, all the different tiers. The basic rundown is $3 will get you access to pretty much everything we've ever posted on there. $5 will get you into our Discord server, which is a fun time, I assure you. And anything more than that is for a custom content request. You can check out the specifics of that uh, on Patreon. So yeah, check that out. The last thing I posted on there, uh, actually right before recording this, was a alternate commentary track for a, a college dual meet. So uh, I I've done a couple of these in the past. Uh, some really exciting matches. Uh, this most recent one was Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma. In-state rivalry, actually two pretty competitive teams right now. Uh, Oklahoma State obviously higher ranked, but the way they matched up made it pretty interesting. And there was just a lot of good wrestling. I enjoyed it, so uh, make sure you check that out. It's like an hour and a half of content, so <laughs> a pretty good deal. The main thing you can get from our Patreon is uh, commentaries over UFC main events or like significant UFC fights pretty much every week. Uh, you get the video and, and our commentary and don't have to listen to the UFC commentary. So if they've been bugging you in the past, then this is definitely your, your chance to uh, get a, a more enjoyable viewing experience and maybe learn something new or hear some alternative opinions. So that's my ad. <laughs> that's all I'm going to try to sell you on. Uh, $3 a month will, will go a long way for us. Okay, so as promised, this week's podcast is all about Aljamain Sterling versus Peter Yan. Uh, <laughs> it's a fight that I've been talking a lot about lately. I recently recorded the prediction panel with uh, Shriram, Ben, and Dan Tom. Uh, you can find that on YouTube or any of the other podcasting platforms. Uh, and that, that was a ton of fun. We broke down each fighter in decent depth and talked about the matchup and made our predictions. And we also did that for Adesanya versus Blahovitz, but a lot less to say about that one. So yeah, this is for the Bantamweight title. It's probably one of the best fights you can make in MMA right now, just considering the skill level of each guy and, and the runs that they're on uh, currently. Jan hasn't lost since his first ACB title fight. And Sterling... Hasn't lost since that uh, Marlon Moraes knockout, so they're both in a really good spot to make a claim as one of the pound-for-pound -pound best fighters in the sport. I think most people would agree that if this fight took place entirely on the feet, then Peter Jan would win, right? I think everyone agrees that Jan's a better striker. I think everyone would agree that Sterling's a better grappler. And, you know, maybe on paper, flatly, if, if like, gun to my head, you said, who's the better wrestler? I would say Sterling. Uh, he is the wrestler in the matchup, but it's not that simple. So obviously, for Sterling, the pressure is on him to you know make it a grappling match, to get top position, to get the back, to do what he has done best in, in fights that he's won. So uh, he, he's had a few different types of wins. He's had uh, you know back foot kicking in, in boxing performances. He's had you know top grappling control wins. He's had you know quick submissions off the back. Uh, he, he had an arm triangle from guard. Uh, he's got a great ground game, an excellent top game. And uh, I think his, his options are pretty wide there. If he can make it a persistent grappling match, but can he? That's the question. Can he wrestle Peter Jan and Jan avoid 
you know, going into Aljamain Sterling's areas of strength, and if he does end up there, how's that going to go? Uh, I'm going to focus on the wrestling, you know, who's getting taken down, who's not getting taken down, What's gonna, what are the factors that are going to, you know, influence that. So the first thing you should think about when considering, like, striker versus grappler is ringcraft. Ringcraft and, you know, how much does that matter based on the grappler's approach? So Aljamain Sterling is somebody who does really well when he's able to wrestle people in the cage. You saw that very recently against Sandhagen. You saw it first, really, against Henan Burrell. That was the first time he had a really sustained, uh, impressive cage grappling performance. Uh, Cody Stamen's another one where he did that. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely one of the stronger parts of his game. But he hasn't always been much of a committed pressure fighter, so it's not like he's always angling to get to the cage. In fact, if his opponent really takes initiative and says, I'm going to be the pressure fighter, and he feels comfortable striking with them, he'll he'll let that happen. He'll take the back foot, and he'll strike with them. And, you know, against Rivera or Munoz or <clears throat> Asunsao, you know, well, actually, just for Rivera and Munoz, those are guys, not Rivera and Asunsao, those are guys who didn't really take the front foot. They said, I'm not conceding range, you're not going to pressure me. And Sterling had a really, really hard time wrestling with them, but he was able to outstrike them. Well, not Asunso, he lost that fight. Um, but with the Munoz fight, that's a time where he was pressured really hard, took the back foot, and was able to you know unload on Munoz's face for the most part, because uh, Munoz's defense, especially against uh, straights like that, not great. Uh, I thought his defense looked improved against Rivera in the rematch uh, very recently, but yeah, he was kind of a a punching bag <laughs> who was pressuring really hard and landing great strikes of his own great wrestler great grappler but his defense is def- and his speed are definitely some of the worst parts of his game so those are the fights that i think you should pay the most attention to if you're looking for paths to victory for young the ones where sterling could not take them down at all uh i think the similar you know threads between those fights with regard to him failing his takedowns are that he was forced to either shoot reactively or cover a lot of distance on his shots so let's start with covering a lot of distance on your shots. Shooting a single from space, shooting a single off your punches, uh, that's typically what he likes to do. He doesn't really shoot long doubles from far away. He'll usually go single on that. Head inside, most likely. Uh, sometimes head outside as well. He'll, he'll shoot uh, real low and try to work off to the back. But the problem with that is, first of all, you need to make a really committed level change to get like down to the basically below the knee. Uh, to really turn that into a, like a solid grip and work through your finish. Otherwise, you have a you're giving them kind of an easy time to uh, you know pull you back up with a wizard, and make it a clinch situation, which is you know not terrible for Sterling, but that's a good way to you know exit that that particular wrestling situation. So that's already something that that we're looking for there. Um, I don't think Jan's going to keep a lot of distance, so I don't think that's probably what we're looking for. Um, I think the more important read is the reactive double so when pressured super hard uh or when he can time and you know get a read on when his opponents are throwing sterling will look to hit reactive doubles uh reactive double is literally just a double leg when your opponent is coming forward and you are intercepting that motion with your double leg the problem with that definition for sterling is he doesn't really do a lot of intercepting (laughs) you know his shots are, are a little shallow in, in multiple ways. They're a little shallow level, meaning he doesn't shoot super low. Uh, he goes about right under the hips, you know, high on the legs. 
which is already difficult to finish because you have people's bases are stronger, closer to their hips, and you can't really collapse the knees from that position, depending on how you're looking to finish the shot. Um, he looks to you know try to run people back a little bit before he can like turn the corner and try to hit his finish. And against like Munoz, someone with really strong hips who also has that guillotine threat, so you don't want to double change too far. Uh, he was you know not having a lot of success moving him early on, and Munoz was also like fighting grips and pulling him up and had good active defense. So right away, I think he figured out like, oh, I, I'm not going to be able to finish this comfortably, and kind of let let off the gas and and gave up on the attempt. And he did that several times, and uh, Munoz consistently was like catching front headlock and. You know, digging underhooks and just you know doing everything you need to do to stuff a takedown. So it's not that Sterling like flatly didn't want to grapple him at all. He just didn't want to have to push through to finish in situations where he didn't have a good shot or, or he might put himself in danger. Uh, yeah, he's a good grappler, but he doesn't want to be in Pedro Munoz's <laughs> guillotine range. So that's something to consider. Uh, with regard to Peter Jan, I, I talked about Ringcraft to start this whole segment. He's a pressure fighter. He's always a pressure fighter. He's never not been a pressure fighter. Um, he's pressured every single opponent he's ever fought, and very few of them have been able to make him stop doing that. The only person who really put him off his pressure was uh, Magomed Magomedov in their first fight via you know being a better, more experienced fighter at the time, better wrestler who was able to take him down to make it more of a grappling match, which Jan was competitive in. He was very competitive in that grappling match, but ultimately wasn't where he wanted the fight. Spent too much time doing that, too much time with Magomedov on his back, which is something that already seems relevant to this fight, uh, and, and lost that one uh, by a very, very close decision. So almost all the time, Jan is pressuring. So I think we can assume that Jan's going to be the one moving forward, Sterling's going to be on the back foot, and he's going to be looking to exploit Jan's offense to try to get to his grappling positions. That would be a very, very tall order if it was just like Jan having very normal offense and Sterling just trying to pick his opportunities to get, you know, read his momentum and shoot on his hips and try to take him down normally. But Peter Jan doesn't do himself a ton of favors with the way he strikes. Uh, it's it's funny because I feel like there are two, there are two Jans. <laughs> There's the one that like knows exactly what he's trying to accomplish and can be very careful and very intelligent with his strike selection, doesn't take a lot of risks, and, uh, you know, fights, you know, almost the perfect fight. We've seen that in the Magomedov rematch. We saw that at times with Aldo. Basically, whenever he starts picking up momentum and increasing his rhythm and focusing in, you can start to see, like, okay, he is setting something up clearly here. He's being very measured. He's using a lot of feints and a lot of, like, half strikes and uh, broken rhythm, and it's very different than when he's like just trying to do some damage or chase someone down and you see him like stepping through and overextending on his right hand or swinging through his left hook or <laughs> jumping through the air to, to hit a flying knee against the cage uh things like that that are, you know a lot more risky and there's definitely modes to to the way Jan fights where he's not he's either doing stuff like that or he's not doing anything like that and uh I think the common thread is that you saw that most of the time in his UFC fights, and in his UFC fights, he's fought that he was aware of zero grapplers. Um, you know, you could say like Faber is like a wrestler, you could say Dodson's a wrestler, but those aren't guys who've been winning fights with wrestlings anytime, anytime recently. Although Dodson is the most I ever saw <laughs> uh, Dodson wrestle against Jan, like that's the most I've ever seen him wrestle in his career, uh, which is funny, just kind of speaks to, to Jan striking. But so I feel like Jan in those fights 
that these guys aren't going to beat me by out grappling me, so I can just strike the way I want to. And if we end up in a wrestling situation, I will out wrestle them, which is what happened. <laughs> it's what happened. Um, really, the only time where he got taken down and it didn't, you know, immediately not matter was uh, the Jinsu Sun fight. That is such a weird fight. Um, definitely, in my mind, an outlier because it was a short notice replacement fight. Uh, so he knew nothing about this guy, and the guy was indestructible. So he's hitting him with everything, he's hitting him with everything, and he's you know, swinging hard on him, and he doesn't know anything about what this guy does, and he uh, shoots reactively and, and blast doubles him off his feet. So I was just talking about Sterling not having a great reactive double, and I talk about Jan being a good wrestler, but then I say he got taken down by this unranked, unknown Korean guy. Uh, <laughs> and that's that's definitely been a sticky point for some people. Uh, especially in the betting community, they're like I can't, I can't bet on him because of this. And like w- with Jan, I really think it's it's fight to fight. It's specific to what he's doing. All the times that he's been in tough wrestling situations are, are his fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like his opponents are able to, against his will, put him in these situations. It's it's them exploiting his offense. It's it's the way that he. You know, thrusts himself into these situations, throwing himself forward, fully aware that something's about to happen, probably, with regard to grappling. Uh, the way I know that is because of how persistent and active he is at immediately trying to you know, cut off the angle and turn in, or like get his underhook, or get his wizard, or uh, circle, or run his feet. He, he's always trying to face back in, turn his hips back in, so he's aware that he does this. <laughs> so I think, he, I think they're calculated risks, honestly. I think he uh, says, you know, in the name of keeping the pace high, in in the name of, you know, putting that pressure on from from multiple uh, definitions, I'm gonna take these risks. So, do I think he's not going to throw wild at all versus Aljamain Sterling? No, I th- I think he probably will, <laughs> uh, but I think it's just a matter of time until he can kind of get uh, Sterling's positioning figured out in the cage. Uh, kind of start to predict where he's going to be, start to uh, you know build up his offense, like I said, increase that rhythm. Uh, but there are things that, that make me happy as well that he does with the strike selection. Uh, the knee up the middle is obviously great. Body punching is something that's pretty persistent from him. I think that's an amazing thing to do against someone who's going to wrestle you. Because uh, first of all, you're matching levels. You're level changing with them and firing to the body. That's excellent. And two, you're wearing them down you're punching their body you know um so it's just going to make it harder and harder for them to you know switch modes you know go trying from to you know kicking with you to wrestling with you that's a very dynamic athletic uh thing to have to do it's something sterling's capable of but it's also not something that jan's never seen um the rematch with magomed magomedov i think that magomedov gassed out a little bit in their first fight and said, okay, you know, one of my biggest problems in the first fight was these these long, drawn-out wrestling exchanges where I shot from far away on a single and had to scramble with Jan, and we went through all these different progressions, and it was hard. And Jan didn't gas. <laughs> so that's a very tough person to fight when you're tired. So I think uh, in the rematch, he said, okay, I'm going to do things a little differently. I'm going to try to react to his pressure a little bit more instead of, you know, trying to force my way through it and get panicky. And he did an excellent job. Uh, there, are, there are a few things I like that he did. Uh, you know, like I just said, he, he was shooting off his kicks. That's a very Russian takedown setup. You see that a lot more in Russian MMA than American. Uh, Sterling's, you know, one of the few guys in American MMA that really does it. Like throwing a round kick to the body of your head and immediately level changing off of it into your single or your double. Uh, 
that's a very athletic maneuver to accomplish. But if you do, usually people stand up straighter when you kick them. Usually people plant and try to counter when you kick them. So it's just a very reliable entry on the hips after that. You just have to you know be able to get back into your stance and hit that shot, <laughs> which is very, very difficult. Something else that uh, Magomedov was doing in the rematch that I really liked was he wasn't exchanging you know, in boxing with Jan, which is something he did a lot more in the first fight. Uh, not mean he's like throwing down, but he's, you know, trying to box normally, strike normally. In this case, he was, you know, when they were open stance, he was like kicking when they had the space, kicking the body, kicking the legs. And his other tool that he really used well was an intercepting uh, rear straight. Basically, that's when he felt Jan walking in. He fired that off and just tried to push off and change the situation or punch into the clinch. Uh, just to get you know a grappling position, which I thought was really smart, because with Jan, it's like if you're retreating, if you're backing off, or you're exchanging with him, all you're doing is extend is extending that situation, and you're letting it build. So Jan likes to be able to get his hands on you and start to you know, you know poke and and feel where you're gonna be, and you know start to build onto a longer combination or a longer sequence, uh, which is you know how pressure works typically. So. Magomedov said, okay, I'm just going to not let you do that <laughs> by you know, firing a single strike and immediately changing the situation into a grappling one. Uh, the the hang-up there, the thing that made that difficult, was that Don was a better clinch fighter than him. So uh, his whole strategy of you know taking away the pressure by punching into the clinch uh, and not wasting energy by shooting on his legs all the time didn't really work out just because of Jan's ability as, as a clinch fighter. Uh so even though like Magomedov wasn't getting totally owned in the clinch, he also just couldn't he couldn't use those positions to, like turn Jan around and put him on the cage and try to eat clock, because Jan was very very good at uh you know pulling on the collar, pushing off on the bicep, and pivoting and turning him away. Uh, same motion he used to hit this foot sweep, so he's using it to uh, to turn them back away and put Magomedov's back on the cage rather than his own. Um, these are all things that we've seen Jan do in his UFC fights, but it's just, you know, it's so scattered. And like I said, the wrestling situations are so much more random in his UFC fights because he's fighting strikers or he's just going nuts on them. And that's, what's opening up the wrestling situations versus a guy who very deliberately wants to wrestle with him. It's not just reactive. He's trying to force these exchanges. You know, very few people in the UFC have like actually shot on Yan. And the one that, you know, stands out is, is Jin Su San. But again, I, I, I caution you to take a lot from that fight just because one he's out wrestled everyone else he's fought who are better wrestlers than that guy <laughs> and yeah short notice fight weird fight guy got nothing else done so i just you know hold off hold off on making harsh judgments just based on that fight um but yeah that nagameda rematch is a really really good example of what yan does uh, to stifle someone who wants to grapple him um, he also dealt with like the over-punching, the over-committing, like stepping through uh, problem with his striking. Uh, basically, as soon as he finished his, his exchange, if he was like not in the position he wanted to be, immediately reset or like put up his frames and you know start to, to, to touch. Touch the inside of the arms, touch the collar, put a frame up. Do something just to make sure that you can you know intercept whatever grappling attempt is about to happen. Uh, that being said, the over-punching, that, that whole deal is probably going to come up and it's probably going to lead to a good position for Sterling at one point or another. Um, you know, either going through the right hand and you know, exposing the back or like missing with something or 
kicking has actually been something that's been tough for for Jan uh, with regard to getting countered as grappler. Uh, I think the first time Jinsu Sun took him down, it was uh, might have been when he was kicking. I'm not sure. Uh, but Dodson, <laughs> John Dodson, actually took him down twice briefly uh, off kicks, and I believe they're both body kicks, rear body kicks. So. I think just the way that Jan's hips are, it looks like it's he's not very comfortable or not very flexible <laughs> with his legs uh, there. So he, he, you know, he's a lot less. I mean, I already said it, he's a lot less flexible in that position. So it wasn't hard to tip him over from those. So if we're talking about strike selection, you really don't want to see Jan trying to body kick with Sterling. I think uh, low kicking will be totally fine. And Pedro Munoz was basically kicking for free against Sterling uh, to his legs, and that ended up being a huge problem for Sterling. Although, maybe Sterling wasn't cooking up specific counters for that because he d didn't really want to grapple with Munoz, so despite him shooting on him. <laughs> so that would kind of betray that narrative, but it's hard to, to draw a lot from the Munoz fight just because you have to remember he probably didn't, first of all, didn't feel the need to grapple with him much and didn't really want to because of the danger. Uh, but there aren't really other fights where... <laughs> Sterling fought someone that was pressuring him like that. Uh, you know, you could talk about like the time he fought a boxer, you know, with the, you know, similar competency to Jan, which is Rivera. But that was a weird one where Sterling tried really hard to wrestle him early on. They ended up clinching a lot and wrestling a lot, and I feel like Rivera burnt his arms out or something because he was like a sitting duck after that uh, when they started striking. He's just kind of standing there, which is funny because even despite that later in the fight when Sterling tried to wrestle him more still couldn't take him down the guy has cement hips really strong front headlock it's not happening that's not really the kind of wrestler Jan is uh people say that like Jan doesn't have a first good layer of takedown defense he does it's just that his striking approach <laughs> like I said really leaves him open sometimes but if you just shoot straight on him without him like exposing himself he's got great hips great reaction time you know wizards well underhooks well you know pushes down the head can limp leg can do all the things you want to see, um, you know, angles off from the wizard, circles in, uh, you know, transitions back into the clinch really well to break off the position or turn it into offense. As a defensive wrestler, he's very, very, very solid. It's just these things about his striking that make him vulnerable sometimes. That's kind of where I'm at, is that I, I don't think he's going to completely change his striking approach, although, you know, I've seen it before. <laughs> I've seen him definitely... Uh, change up his approach to deal with a grappler in the past in that Mega Medev rematch, but I think he probably will, you know, give up his back or, uh, you know, let Sterling in on a pretty good position. And I think, you know, Sterling will take his back. And I think Sterling will have some time on his back or some time on top. But the other thing is that Jan is a very good scrambler, uh, really good at getting his hips out and, you know, getting back to his knees and starting to scramble out, uh, you know, getting deep underhooks in the back and using that to, uh, limp arm out of those positions and, and free himself. He, I've seen him do that plenty of times. Uh, and I don't think he's like going to get Sterling off his back necessarily, but just the general dynamic of the fight to me is that it's five rounds. Sterling basically has to either finish him relatively early with, with you know the positions that he gets, or he's going to have to keep getting those positions over five rounds. And that seems really difficult for me. Uh, it seems really difficult that in a matchup where it's already going to be kind of hard for Sterling to force his way into any good wrestling situations or grappling positions that he wants to be in. Uh, now you have, you know, five rounds where the guy could make some mistakes early, 
and if you don't finish him or like make a really you know big lead or you know do some attritional damage from those positions you have to do it again and now the guy is either going to like not give you the same look again or you know maybe you're a little tired and he's going to come after you harder now and I don't know it just seems like a rough fight for me and it's not like Sterling's defensively responsible enough on the feet that it won't be super dangerous for him on the feet. I think it's actually a comparable amount of danger for Sterling on the feet as it is for Jan on the ground. Um, I, I think there's there's a similar type of danger gap in those two areas. And I'm not saying that Jan is as close to Sterling as a grappler as Sterling is to Jan as a striker. I just think defending grappling to not get finished is a lot easier than not getting hurt on the feet <laughs> within this kind of matchup. You know what I mean? So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm picking Jan for that reason, just because uh, there's all these specifics that, that you know give credence to both guys' case, but that big dynamic of the fight is that it's a five-rounder, you know, the, the pressure fighter over time. Uh, that, that, that really does bode well, and I don't think Jan is... The kind of guy that's gonna get put out of there early, and, and people talk about the Sandhagen fight, and they, you know, look, look what he did to Sandhagen. They say that Sandhagen scrambled well with Asunsao and didn't get, you know, messed up on the ground or anything with Asunsao. Those were all transitional scrambles uh, with Asunsao. He never got stuck in one position, so they never really had to have like drawn out grappling exchanges. Uh, if you want to see Sandhagen drawn out grappling exchanges, his fight with Yuri Alcantara is actually a better look at that, and I think Alcantara like had him dead to rights on an arm bar or something of that nature and like very very nearly submitted him uh and Sanhagen habitually gives up bad positions while he's grappling so it's like you get to his leg and he has defense that opens him up rather than Jan like opening himself up on the feet but then being very very solid and doing the right things when it comes to wrestling and grappling so I'd say there's a big difference there uh this is going to be the small cage I think it's at the apex so Typically, that would favor the grappler, but I think it favors the person who's pressuring. And if Aljo's not going to pressure, then the small cage doesn't really help him that much. Uh, I think the cage is going to be a good reset position for Jan. Uh, you know, something you can put your back against. And like I said, Sandhagen habitually gives up his back to scramble. Uh, and that was a really bad <laughs> thing to do against Aljamain Sterling. Uh, Peter Jan habitually gives up his back with the way he strikes, but like I said, very good at recovering that position and, you know, making things a little better than they would be if his reactions were worse. So, I don't know. Other things to think about are that Jan is training at ATT for this fight, and ATT, not a great camp for Ringcraft, but a very good camp for overall, you know, dealing with skills in certain areas, like dealing with being grappled. Uh, or, you know, surviving on the ground, or grappling in general. They have great grappling coaches. Um, he's training down there with uh, Alexander Shabli, who, if you don't know him, uh, another great counter-striker uh, anti-wrestler who has great uppercuts and knees and combinations and uh, really, really intelligent strike selection and uh, counter-strike straight strikes very well. So I think they might be learning from each other a little bit. Uh, and that, that could bode well. Uh, so yeah, all the things I don't really like about ATT, I don't think will come into play here, unless for the first time, Jan doesn't bother to take initiative and try to make sure that he's the one pressuring. Uh, that just doesn't seem like something in character for him, so 
I'm not really anticipating that being the dynamic of the fight. So yeah, I'm gonna pick Yon. It's basically uh, basically all I have to say about that. Uh, I don't foresee much wrestling in uh, the other men's title fight in this card. That's uh, Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blahovitz. Uh Cool fight, I think, you know, just because one of the best strikers at light heavyweight versus perhaps the best striker in the UFC, which is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, and Jan has like shot takedowns in the past. He's like done work on top in the past, but it's been pretty ugly work, <laughs> to be honest with you, and against fighters who I trust a lot less than Izzy. So I'm not going to read too much into it. I think they're going to strike. Um, maybe they'll clinch a little bit, but I think Izzy's the superior clinch fighter, so I don't have a lot of hope for, for Jan in that one. I went more in-depth on that and like gave Jan a little bit more credit on the panel. Uh, like I said, you can check that out on YouTube or on any of our podcasting platforms. But yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of hope for that fight. Uh, Amanda Nunes is fighting Megan Anderson. Uh, Anderson historically has not been able to wrestle or grapple much, and Nunes just had a fight with uh, Jermaine Durandamy where she was the one who could grapple you know, versus somebody who couldn't at all. So I feel like we're going to see something similar to that. Uh, other fights on the card, I mean, there's this a lot to think about with regard to wrestling. Uh, Islam Makhachev is fighting Drew Dober. That's an interesting one to me just because that that same, you know, initiative, uh, you know, ring craft question will come into play. Uh, Rukachev doesn't pressure nearly as hard as someone like Habib, so people are like, oh, he's going to Habib him. Like, well, he doesn't really do that to anyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? He gets in these grappling situations, these wrestling situations, and he's very, very good demonstrably. And I've seen him practice, and he's just a great wrestler overall. But it's, he doesn't really push it as much in his fights as you would think given his skill set and I think there's going to be opportunities for Dober to get off and uh, you know maybe pressure him and you know counter him and uh, you know, try to do some damage kick him but uh, I definitely favor Mokhachev there but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw uh, his approach bite him a little bit so I'm interested to see that I haven't studied Islam too much so hoping to learn something here uh, Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kenny. this is going to be a really good test of Cruz as a wrestler where he is right now uh, if you read any of my articles on Cruz you know I think that his career was mostly held together by wrestling uh, you know basically his striking approach works because he can mix in the threat of the takedown um, it's a really simple way of putting it but basically you know on the lead he can confuse people a little bit get them to put their guard up and then when they do swing counters on them he can be changing levels and ducking under uh, versus, you know, when he's just striking, trying to, you know, cut an angle, and then the counters can be a little bit more focused on, you know, finding him, you know, on, on the back foot, on the exit, rather than you know, trying to swing on him and getting taken down instead. Uh, also, if you're trying to chase him down, that's a good way to run yourself into a takedown. Um, and he's just, he's, he's a good top player. He's, you know, a good clinch fighter. Uh, very good wrestling grappler, Dominic Cruz. I think it really held together his career. Uh, Casey Kenny's turned into a really good pressure fighter, really good strike selection, uh, good counters, uh, good good variety in his offense, very durable, very good cardio. Um, he's a grappler. He, he, I think judo is his base, but he did get uh, taken down a bunch by uh, Marab and by Ray Borg. But uh, he did win the Borg fight, and he had an argument for winning the Marab fight, so it wasn't like he was being held down too much. So, I don't know. 
it'll be an interesting test. I don't really have a pick there, but I do think Cruz is going to wrestle him. Um, and it should work. Should work. Here's the one I know the least about. <laughs> Joseph Benavidez versus Eskar Askarov. Um, Benavidez is obviously one of the best scramblers in UFC history. A very, very hard guy to hold down and try to wrestle with. Uh, many have tried. All have failed other than Demetrius Johnson, really. And even then, he didn't really hold him down too much. It was pretty competitive in that respect. Uh, Askarov, pretty underwhelming to me. Like, good, but underwhelming to me as a wrestler. Uh, gets to his singles, you know, has, has good fundamentals, good finishing. Um, but, you know, not particularly athletic. So, that, you know, if Joby is anywhere close to what he used to be, I think it shouldn't be too hard for him to deal with that. Um, Askarov, a good grappler as well. But, again, Joby is very good at getting out of, you know, dominant positions uh, in grappling and hitting reversals or getting back to his feet. And Askarov has, you know, nice little solid boxing. I think he can throw a one-two, can counter. Uh, is getting it together. Has a little bit of power as well. You, you'd be surprised by looking at him. Uh, but again, Benavidez, I think, you know, just the, the dynamism, the athleticism, and, you know, the, the strike selection, the kicking game, uh, the craft, you know, the way he set up uh, Juicy Formiga in, in the rematch, the way he set him up with those, those open side attacks, the southpaw double attack. He, he's just a much more dangerous fighter. Uh, it's, I think it's totally going to depend on where he's at, I think he can deal with Askarov if he's anywhere close to what he's been recently, but against uh, Davis and Figueredo, he looked really bad in the rematch, like he wasn't even there at all like a husk, uh, just got blown out of the water, like had no reaction time, durability looked gone, uh, just, you know, looked totally out of it from the jump, whereas in the first fight, he looked pretty sloppy, but he wasn't, like, not there, uh, and then in the Formiga fight, like I said, you know, a little sloppy, but pretty much himself. And uh, I think there's a little bit of grappling as well. So the one before that was the Dustin Ortiz fight, which was amazing, and he looked about himself there. So maybe it, it was an off night in the Figurator rematch, but he might be shot, he might be washed, uh, and we're going to have to see this one to, to know for sure. So I, I don't really know what's going to happen there. Uh, there should be some other stuff to look at, like uh, Tim Elliott's going to fight Jordan Espinosa. There should be a lot of wrestling there. Uh, Sean Brady's fighting Jake Matthews. Brady uh, showed off his wrestling a little bit against Nar Narduyev. And I wrote about that before it happened. And, uh... Yeah, that might be it. Looking back at last week's card, I don't think there was much to discuss. Uh, yeah, Cyril Gaon was the main event. There wasn't wrestling in that one. I was asleep for Ankalaev, Krilov, and Silva De La Rosa... I did watch Munoz Rivera. You can find the alternate commentary for that either on the podcasting platforms or the video version on Patreon. Uh, Tiago Moises and Alexander Hernandez didn't really wrestle. Uh, Davis and Mezo did, but I didn't really pay attention. This guy, Ronnie Lawrence, might be kind of interesting. Uh, you know, we're talking about kicking into takedowns. He seems like that kind of guy. Although his striking looks super janky, but allegedly it's looked better in the past. So I'm just going to keep an eye on him. Uh, he had a nice, decent top game. He's using folk-style rides pretty well. He put a half in. He's riding with a half and a thigh pry. And, uh, you know, when you have that half down, people are going to try to, you know, push up with their upper body, and they actually open up that window. And he used that to put hooks in while he had the half on. So I like that. Um, yeah, so looking forward to uh, seeing him again, see if he's any better than, than he looked there. But he did some things that I that I noticed. And, uh, yeah, that's basically all I have for, for today. Uh, I have an article coming out about Peter Jan, 
basically summarizing my findings that I that I talked about here. Uh, yeah, with clips, most of the clips are going to be almost all the clips are going to be about the Mega Meta fights, and then I'll show a couple of the examples of him being taken down against like Sun and Dodson, and I'll explain why those might not be as big of a deal as they seem. And uh, yeah, I think that'll be it. Oh yeah, we have our staff picks article coming out at the end of the week. I wrote a little bit more about this fight in there, but basically at this point everyone knows my thoughts and uh yeah i don't <laughs> i don't feel a lot of pressure actually when it comes to this matchup like about being wrong uh it seems like uh you know the path to victory are pretty well laid out it's just at this point what do you think is more likely to happen what do you think is going to matter the most with the factors we discussed and uh yeah if, if aljo wins then ben's going to be insufferable but don't let him convince you that he was the only one who believed in Aljo. It's like, obviously, I see what his path to victory is, and I see what you're looking at to, to think that it's there. But also, I think there are similar paths for, for Yan, and I think his might be a little bit more replicable and matter matter more over five rounds than with the, uh, the Ringcraft matchup. So it's not all black and white, man. It's not all I was right, you were wrong. But if Yan wins, I'm definitely going to tell Ben he was wrong. <laughs> so I hope you all join me in bullying him. If that happens, and if it doesn't happen, then uh, let's just pretend we all thought it all along and Ben's not special. Alright, well, talk to everybody next week, and uh, yeah, check out Patreon, that would be a huge help. Alright, bye-bye.